0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Um, I'd like to speak this morning on giving God the glory. A couple of months back I started considering this thought, which really started with the idea of what is the purpose of life? That was the study I thought I was entering into. Um, and I, I think they tie closely together. But the purpose of life, I, I put out on social media uh, a question oh, about six weeks ago or so as I was kind of digging into this to kind of see what people were thinking along these lines. What is the purpose of life? That's what I put out there. I got several responses back. I'd like to share those with you. Um, Number one was not number one in order of popularity, just the number one on my list. uh, Somebody said to serve my fellow man. And I thought, well, yeah, that's a good purpose, right? Somebody else said to do good works, to do good deeds, just to do good. Uh, Number three, to leave a name for yourself or a legacy. Make a mark, you know, on on this earth. While you're here, make a difference. Number four, to lead others to the Lord. Well, certainly uh, that's a purpose. And so far, really, I could agree with every one of these. Then I got a couple of scriptures that was their answer. One was Philippians 2.11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. I thought, okay, well, that, that's good. I agree with that. Uh, another one, Ecclesiastes 12, the whole duty of man scripture. You remember that? To fear God and keep his commandments. So what is the purpose of life? You could answer it, I have concluded, in several ways. But with that being said, I think every one of these answers, and possibly there's many more, that fall under the idea of glorifying God. The purpose of our life is to bring glory to God. All of these answers, in fact, do that. And I want to give you some examples. What really got this study kind of kicked off for me was just reading a passage, I think reading in a sermon somebody had read, about uh, Jesus meeting the blind man in his journeys. And in John 9, we read of this, beginning in verse 1. It says, And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in his life. I got to thinking about this. Now, why would the disciples ask this question? First of all, why are they asking if this man sinned and it caused him to be blind from his birth? That's a little difficult to me to reconcile unless you're going for you were born in sin. You know, and then we'd all be guilty of that. So I guess we'd all be blind, should be. So why are they asking this question? Was it him or was it his parents? Well, Jesus gives them an answer that is kind of head-scratching. It's kind of bewildering. Jesus said it wasn't either one of those. It wasn't that he sinned. It wasn't that his parents sinned. It was so that the works of God can be manifested or can be shown in what's about to take place. And Jesus goes on in this story and heals this man's blindness. Puzzling. This man has spent his whole life blind for a purpose that led right up to this moment, to his healing. But I want you to note, this story is not really about the blind man. It's not really even about Jesus healing it. Jesus said, it's so that the works of God might be displayed in him. What was about to take place in his healing was that God was going to get the credit. God was going to be glorified here. Even Jesus, in his teaching, submitted to this idea. He didn't work for himself. He was working for his father. The things that the father commanded him or told him to do is what he did so that the Father received glory. That's where this story or reading of this passage began this study, and it got me thinking. So his purpose in life really was that the works of God would be displayed in him. Then I got to thinking about, well, what about me? What about the purpose of my life? Could it be that the purpose of my life might be that the works of God be displayed in me? It's a fair thought, fair question, I think. Let's move on for a moment. <clears throat> we'll look at another one. This story in John 11, just a couple chapters later, is the story about Lazarus' death. And uh, we'll begin reading here in John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said this, This illness does not lead to death pause this illness does not lead to death well if you know the rest of the story Lazarus dies that's a head-scratcher again for me what did Jesus mean then it couldn't mean that he wasn't going to experience death because he in fact did in fact Jesus received this word and the Bible records and tells us that he delayed his coming to Lazarus to Mary to Martha A couple of days. He put it off. And so in that period of time, Lazarus dies. Jesus didn't make it. Jesus shows up. Martha tells him, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Listen to this next line. When Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. And that's not the ultimate outcome is what he meant, by the way. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. See, Jesus put the focus on the fact that it was to bring glory to God. Now, it's a pretty magnificent event, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, right? I imagine a lot of people were like in awe over Jesus, over this whole thing, over Lazarus. But this story, like the other one, is not about Lazarus. And it's not really even about Jesus, except that God's power is being shown through Jesus in raising Lazarus. The focus and ultimate focus was not that Lazarus would die. It's that the glory of God would be manifested and shown. Are there other examples? We're not going to bring them all up because there is example after example. But I do want to mention a couple. I want to talk about this one in Exodus 3, Moses. <clears throat> There's so much we could talk about about Moses and all that he did in leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. But look at these verses here. When God is talking to Moses and trying to, or, or trying to convince Moses, I guess, would be a fair way to say it to go to Pharaoh and to tell him what God is saying to Pharaoh... so that his people could be free. And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh... and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt... Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, they shall say unto them, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? <clears throat> and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now I'm just going to pause there because there's a lot more we could read about this. But let's get the backdrop and the, the big picture here. This story was not about Moses delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. It wasn't about Moses. What did God tell him? You tell them, I am sent you. This is about God delivering the children of Israel through Moses. He used Moses, yes, but Moses didn't do this. Moses couldn't have done this on his own and by himself. Moses was the vessel, Moses was the person used of God to move. Where's the focus? Where's the glory? Where's the praise, really? Should it be on Moses? No, it belongs to God. Who provided it, okay? One more. Genesis 50. I just... It, this is one of the stories, childhood favorites of mine. is a story of Joseph. So much in his life. So many things happened. And I'm not going to give you the whole story because we'll be here for a couple of hours or more. But in Genesis 50, setting up to this is Joseph had been sold into slavery... Okay? Ultimately, the brothers went back to dad, right? And said he was killed by a wild animal or something, right? Well, Joseph went through all kinds of things. ultimately interpreted a dream that, was, that had come from Pharaoh, kind of handed down to him. He interpreted it. It made sense to Pharaoh. Pharaoh pulled him up out of prison where he was. Some other circumstances that happened. He had a, a very... Uh, wild life, I guess. Not wild in the sense he was wild. Just a lot of things happened to him. But here is Pharaoh who has placed Joseph second in command over Egypt. Because one of the dreams that he interpreted was about a great famine that was going to come upon the land. Seven years of good, and then seven years of famine. Pharaoh put him in charge of preparing for that. Holding back grain and and everything so that they would be able to survive the seven years of famine. Well, it wasn't just Egypt that had the famine. The land of Canaan also was in a famine. The children of Israel, Joseph's family, they were starving. They needed food. They heard there's food in Egypt. They made two or three trips to Egypt when it was all said and done. Here's their last trip back to Egypt, and they have brought gold And they have brought whatever they can to try to buy food. And I want you to know, Joseph is over this. Joseph recognizes them. They do not recognize Joseph. They think Joseph's long gone. Oh, he's a slave somewhere, he's dead, whatever. So they don't recognize him. Joseph knew who they were. Joseph was not bound to have to give them food. But he did. Charging them money, which he gave back and all of that eventually. Joseph says to them, Do not fear, for I am, in the pla- am I in the place of God? You see, they had come and bowed down before him. Joseph took a very humble approach to this. I'm not God. I'm not your God. What are you doing? As for you... You meant... He's revealed himself to him. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today, including the lineage or what would be the lineage of Jesus, right? Joseph's family, where the promises had been made that Jesus was going to come. You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. You see, something bigger was happening than just the individual incidents in Joseph's and his brother's uh, lives. You see, God had a bigger plan. God knew all along how this was going to play out. And it was for the good so that they'd be preserved. And ultimately, family would be reunited. They would grow into a great nation within Egypt. And that's another story. We can take that further. So it's not exactly, it doesn't word that the glory goes to God and things like that. However, that's what he's doing. He's giving credit to God in God's plan. God meant it for something much bigger than you realized even what you were doing. In your evil, God meant it to turn out in this way, right? also want you to notice... <clears throat> That it was Jesus' focus. We mentioned it briefly a moment ago. But John 14 and 13, Jesus told his disciples, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That was Jesus' focus. was not to draw so much attention to himself. That wasn't the ultimate purpose. It was that God was glorified through his life. And so that's what Jesus taught over and over and over again. Now, let's, let's carry it on to some other aspects. Bringing glory to God, I want you to tell you the scriptures are full of it. Nature itself brings glory to God. And I love this verse, Psalm 19 and 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. All of nature does. The sun and the moon does exactly what God created them to do. The stars, the heavens, they declare the glory of God. Look up to the skies. Where I live, the night sky is very dark so you can see the stars. And if you have that opportunity, pause tonight if the skies are clear. And look at the sky. Look at it. Look at what it is declaring to you. People have done, gone to so many great lengths to try to disprove this. That it's God's glory. That God created it. And you can do, you can do that, I suppose. As much as you want. But it doesn't change the fact the heavens declare His glory. And the firmament His handiwork. The trees that you look around. Look around nature. Look at the insects. Look at the animal kingdom. Look at just the vegetation on the earth. I'm telling you, in my opinion, you see the glory of God in it all. You know where you don't see the glory of God? In humans. Sadly. I mean some, yes. But generally, man is all about trying to declare some different answer to rule God out of this equation. To not give Him the glory... All of God's kingdom, everything that God created, declares His glory. Except for man who thinks he's wiser than God. That's why it's such a call to us to bring glory to God. We can do what a dog does. Bring glory to God, I mean. We can do what a tree does. We can obey. We can do exactly what God created us to do. Pause on that thought and let's just look at that. we are to bring glory to God in all things, particularly our bodies. Paul wrote to the Corinthians here. Now, they were having all kinds of difficulties and and, uh, really immorality and things of that nature. And Paul reminds them, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. What does that mean? That means I'm going to use my body in a way that honors God, that praises God, that glorifies Him. Not in ways that doesn't, not in immorality, not in using these hands to steal. You know, you can bring up a litany of examples. But we were to use our bodies to glorify God. And He reminds us we were bought with a price. This is important. This means something to our Lord. John 15 and verse 8. Jesus reminds us, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Bearing fruit. You can argue what the fruit is. doesn't really matter. I think it's probably all of it. But fruits of the Spirit, to fruits of other disciples, you know bearing fruit producing producing that which is good and godly but jesus said his father is glorified when we are doing the things that we should do 1st <clears throat> corinthians 10:31 <laughs> good reminder whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of god in eating you can bring glory to god In drinking, you can bring glory to God. In everything that we do and say and think, act upon, all of that can be done or should be done to the glory of God. Now, when I was looking at this, and I was digging around, just looking for examples, thoughts, I ran across a writing by a John Piper. And it his writing says is called Orange Juice to God's Glory. Could be a little over the top for some of you. I don't know. It was when I first read it. I thought, I'm not using that. It's a little too much. And then the more I read it again, and I thought, oh, that's really valid. He's got some good points in here. Just listen. Take it for what you want, but I'm going to share it with you. Orange juice to God's glory. How can I take a glass of orange juice and glorify God while drinking it? Number one, I will affirm, he says, joyfully from the word of God, that the color yellow is a gift from God. The sweet taste is a gift from God. The nourishment and the way my body uses it is a gift of God. The sun and the rain that grew the oranges is a gift of God. The trucking and the grocery grocery chain, I can't say it, that brought it to me is a gift of God. And the list could go on and on. I will gladly, joyfully say that out loud. I will feel that. Number two, I will lift my heart and voice in prayer, thanking God. And I will do this often so that others can know where all this came from and how wise and strong and good God is. Number three, I will remind myself that I do not deserve this juice. I deserve to be in hell today. And so I'll give thanks that my sins are forgiven and that this pleasure is in fact bought for me. This orange juice pleasure is a blood-bought gift for this child of God on the way to heaven. Number four, I will remind myself that in this particular pleasure, this taste... This coolness on my tongue, this nourishment reveals something of God to my senses and my soul that could not be known any other way. That's why the world was created, because all of it is like a prism giving us some new sight of the glory of God. Number five, then I will share this juice in love with others at the table. I won't hoard it all. And number six, finally, I will use the strength that it gives me to live for the glory of God. It just shows you, how it's a good example of how much detail you actually can go into in thanking God for the smallest things in life. And so if you take that to every aspect of your life, and especially your prayer life, and start seeing it like that, describing it like that, thanking God for it like that, I think it might be life changing to really understand it belongs to God, all the glory does. I didn't do anything for that orange to produce such a good taste, such satisfaction wasn't from me, was it? I thought it worthy to just share. Let me tell you something. We're not only to glorify God in every way possible, but the church is to glorify Him. We have an example of that. Romans 15, beginning in verse 5. Now the God of patience and consolations grant you to be like-minded one toward another to Christ Jesus that ye may be with one mind and one mouth glorify God even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It glorifies Him. If we speak with one mind, one thought, one mouth, in other words, one word, one message, the same message, that brings glory to God. And we as the church should be that way. And actually, so that... Others will glorify Him also. 2 Corinthians 9, 13. Paul writes again to the Corinthians, Because of the proof given by this ministry, they, those on the outside, those not a part of the kingdom, he says they, so that they, will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them, and to all. One of the things that was going on. Is there was a great need. One of the things Paul identifies here. Is he, his prayer is. That they. Those on the outside. Will glorify God. For the liberality. Of the contributions made. To them. And to all. You see that they see. Not only your good works. But they understand and know that it is God who has provided, that has made it possible. So our works within the church, what we do um, in our giving or any aspect of our work as a Christian is so that others will see God in us, not so much us. It's real easy. It is for me. It has been all my life. It's real easy to do something good for somebody, and that feels good, doesn't it? I mean, it does. To do something, to see a smile on somebody else's face, something you've done that met a certain need that they had, to see the refreshment, to see the joy, that warms my heart to do that. So it's real easy then to take that and walk away and go, I did such a good thing. I am so good. My dad used to say, don't break your arm from patting yourself on the back. We think a whole lot more highly of ourselves than we should a lot of times. We just do. You see, our lives should be so enwrapped in obedience, submission to God that when we see the needs and we respond and we do things, that we understand to give God the glory and not us. I'm not saying it's wrong to tell somebody thank you. I think that's very appropriate. But I will also tell you what's appropriate is if you're the one to, who, has, who is receiving praise, it's very appropriate for you to say, to God be the glory. To, to God be the glory. Let me tell you something. I heard J.R. Smith one time say this. It, it just has stuck with me. He said, there is nothing good in me except Jesus. <laughs> There's nothing good in me alone. Anything I can think to do that'd be good, the only reason I do it is because there's some sense of, of a need from God that says do it. You see, I'm motivated or need to be motivated by the Lord Jesus inside me or by the Spirit inside me to do good. Not to gain all the glory myself. God gets the glory. So let's, let's carry it on. There's a little more. It speaks to our mission. Jesus said, Matthew 5 and 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, I might have good works, but it's not my good works. It's the works of God. I'm just being used. You see, we need to be used. We need to make ourselves available to God to be used, to see the opportunities and let God speak to our heart. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the wording of that, but there's some essence of truth there. We need to have an understanding and realize that God is speaking to us. He speaks to us when we read from the Bible. He tells us to do good unto all men. You see an opportunity to do good, go do good. You're doing it. Why? Because of what God's done for you. It all comes from God. And that's our mission. As our light shines before men, they'll see our good works. We don't want them to praise us. Don't lift us up. Like Peter said, I'm a man just like you. Stand back up, you know. Don't overly thank me. Let's together glorify our Father, which is in heaven. Where it rightly belongs. Okay? Okay. Hebrews 13, 21, this is why, that He equip you in every good thing to do His will. So who's equipping who? God is equipping us, right? God equips us to do good things to do His will, okay? Working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory Forever and ever. Amen. Philippians 4.13. I love this passage. Probably a memory verse to many of you. I can do all things. Period. Is that what it says? I can do all things. Man, I am special. There's that patting on the back again, right? That's not what the verse says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Through Christ. Where's the credit go? Not to me. To Christ. Look at the next one. 1 Thessalonians 2. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. What's your calling as a Christian? We're being called to his kingdom We're being called to His glory. All things are to glorify Him in what we do. To be walking worthy of God means we're given credit where credit is due. Philippians 2 verse 13. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. There's an example used in the Scriptures a lot. Um, that that talk about the potter and being the clay. God's the potter, we're the clay. I'm going to play on that just a little bit here. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Not my good pleasure, His good pleasure. Listen, in pottery, if I'm even worthy to be this, I'm a cup, you know. I'm made to be a cup. Well, let me tell you something about a cup. Well, we'll use this bottle. You wouldn't want to drink after me, I'm sure. But if I were to offer you this cup of water and tell the cup, cup, go give yourself to Lana here. That cup's going to sit right there. That cup cannot do it by itself, can it? That cup can no more provide that water than... The only way that it can do it is if somebody grabs a cup and offers the cup to her, okay? I'm the cup. That's all we are. We're just vessels. We're just vessels to be used of God. And so God says, you've got a little water there, go offer it to a brother. You see, that's all we are. We're to be used of God. We are used by God to deliver the message or the water or whatever it is that we're providing it's God who works in you 1st Corinthians 12 and verse 10 You see you know God cannot show his power in us if we're already full of ourselves and that's the reason God Allowed Paul's thorn in the flesh, if you'll remember. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 2. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Let's pause right there. If you're going through all of this that Paul has gone through, not just weakness. Weakness would be bad enough, right? Insults, that'd be rough. But we're getting into hardships persecutions, calamities. That's a big word. (laughs) That's destruction. For the sake of Christ, he's content with all these things. For the sake of Christ, okay? For when I am weak, then am I strong. God's power can show however God wants it to show, I presume, right? I mean, God is God. He can do whatever He wants. But let me tell you what He's chosen to do. He's chosen to use us, weakly vessels, very weak, just a vessel sort of person. Average folks to use us to share the gospel with others or to do good works for others. To use us. And for the sake of Christ, we need to be content in those things. You know, when Paul was at his weakest here, God could be at his strongest. Paul wasn't saying, I've got this God. I've got it. I've got it handled. That wasn't Paul. Paul. Paul learned through this thorn in the flesh that through his weakness is where God was really revealed. Because see, Paul didn't have the strength, didn't have the power to be able to do what he would have liked to have done. And when he got out of the way and let God work, mighty things happen. That's what we've got to do. The same thing. So, as we come close to closing, I hate to say as we close, but got a couple more things here, but we're about to wrap it up. Glorifying God. What does that mean? What does it mean, really, to glorify God? It really means to acknowledge His greatness, to give Him honor, to praise Him, to worship Him, because He and He alone Deserves to be praised and honored. To glorify God is to extol His attributes. Think about it. Who is God? To lift up and to honor His attributes such as His holiness, His faithfulness, mercy, grace, love, majesty sovereignty, power, omniscience. How many terms do you want to put out there that describe who God is to us? It is to honor all of those aspects and to give Him the glory. He alone deserves it. Perhaps we should rehearse these over and over in our minds so that we're prepared to do just that. And we're not without words. We glorify God in our response to trials. Much like Paul. You know, there was a time, Philippians 1 and verse 18. There was a time in Paul's ministry that there were even brothers in Christ. (laughs) That were trying to undermine what Paul's ministry was, to talk bad about him, to bring him down, to, to cause others to quit listening to Paul. I'm thinking in this position, it would be pretty offensive, I think. Now, that, that probably is to my own pride. I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm telling you the truth. And we've got some folks over here trying to undercut me to knock my feet out from under me so that I can't proclaim to these folks about God and His blessings and things like that. Yet here's what Paul wrote. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth. Some of them were in truth. Some of them were pretending to be godly, pretending to teach the truth. But he says, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. That gives a lot of thought to a lot of things, and we could go a lot of directions here. But I'm just talking about our attitude toward, remember, Paul is not taking the credit here. He's not taking all the glory, right? He's saying some of them may be doing it and they may be pretending. They may not really be the true thing. But Christ is being proclaimed. Now I'm grateful for that. He's not looking for, in an envious way, to undercut them or to cut them off. He just goes on and does what he needs to do. You know, at this time he was in prison. <clears throat> Being maligned by even other believers, that couldn't have been comfortable. Possibility of facing Nero—he's <laughs> in—he's in, he's in uh, under house arrest, so to speak—and that's what he was waiting on. He's going to be facing Nero, likely. How unbearable! And yet, Paul is rejoicing. It's a different mindset, isn't it? He's the opposite of what a human being typically would be. Listen, you probably know, or perhaps you've experienced it. Some Christians who've experienced serious physical pain, spent many days in the hospital, and couldn't, talk, couldn't stop talking about all the evangelistic opportunities that they had while they were in that position. And here's Paul, under arrest, very limited in his ability to reach out, and yet the opportunities were before him. How many times have you heard those stories or have you had them? I've had them. I've had them. I had a couple of guys tending to some of the needs that I had when I was in the hospital, that I got a short opportunity I don't know how drugged I was at the time, but I had a short opportunity to try to visit with them a little about the goodness of the Lord and the work that they were doing. When we see our trials through the eyes of God or in light of eternity, we're able to truly glorify God with our lives. I'm going to leave you with some questions. And every, each one of these could be another sermon probably. But I just want, I want to leave you with these questions to ponder. And if I accomplish any objective th- this morning, it is that I give you some things maybe to just ponder, to think about, to be able to maybe make application to your life. How can you glorify God when you are facing humiliation or mockings How do you glorify God? How do you glorify God when you're facing sickness? How can you glorify God? Sadness. How do you glorify God? Financial pressures. Death of a loved one. How do you glorify God? Physical inabilities. Or maybe as some of these are, suffer- uh, we've announced even this morning Brother Darrell and others that are fighting cancer and they may be looking at ultimately, well we all are right? We're looking at death. It's coming. Maybe we're getting an early sign of a sickness that's going to take us out. Maybe. How do we glorify God? How on un- your deathbed, or if you're bedridden, perhaps late in your life, you know these stories, maybe in your own family it's happened. Where somebody is having to completely care for them. 100%. Either in the home or in a home. Either way. How does that bring glory to God? How can it bring glory to God? Let me just offer a couple of little things for you to think about, and then you can... Expand on that. You know, there was a time when I was in the hospital. I'll use this example. When I was in the hospital, I was completely helpless. There were those moments. I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't do a thing for myself. I had nurses come in. I had a wife by my side who did a lot of it, who even shaved me. Did a pretty good job, too. Well, how do you know how to shave, you know? <laughs> Let me tell you how that brought glory to God. It allowed other people to minister as they've been called to do. If they were in their right mind and, and doing it for the right reasons, right? If somebody is on their deathbed and all that you can do is... Give them a shave. Give them a bath. Clean them up. Do whatever it is that you do for them. Is there glory going to God there? That is allowing things to happen that need to happen. What? Let me tell you what wouldn't glorify God. Is if Jill sat there and went, I ain't doing that. You're on your own, buddy. <laughs> you know. That, didn't, that wouldn't glorify God. That wouldn't bring glory to Him. But what brings glory is to allow God's working in you to happen when the need is there, when the opportunity is there. Bringing glory to God. I hope that something we've shared this morning is something that you can take with you and think about how I can bring glory to God in what I'm about to do or in what I'm doing, in what I'm saying. And even what I'm thinking, that is a big one, because we might hide a lot of those thoughts. (laughs) I say too much a lot of times. I don't mean preaching, probably that too. But I say things sometimes when Jill and I are riding riding down the road and somebody cuts you off, you know, whatever. Those things just happen all the time. And I'll say something I don't need to say. Maybe not in extreme, but it was inappropriate. You know, it just wasn't what... I needed to say, did I bring glory to God? Not in Jill's opinion. (laughs) Honey, really? (laughs) How can you bring glory to God with your life this week? Think about it. I hope you think about it every morning when you take off to work or you take off with your daily routine. How can this day glorify God? And it may be in a way that never says a word. It never proclaims it to others except in your actions, except in your thoughts, except in your speech, the things you say, the things you do. How can I glorify God with my life? Because after all, this life is not about me. My life is not about me. It is about God in all ways. And your life, really, is about God in you. Let's make a difference this week. I hope you've been offered something that will benefit you and and bless you in your Christian walk. Uh, This morning we're going to have another song here. Um, As we sing this song, it is an opportunity for you if you've been touched in some way by the Word of God in a way that motivates you or tells you, even clicks with you, that I've not been where I need to be. This is an opportunity. There are many other opportunities. You can speak to any one of the brethren, even after services. But it's an opportunity we make available to you at this time. Come forward, let your wishes be known while we stand and sing this song. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts Google Podcast, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.